Welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. This season, we're inviting you to take the Lit Grit Challenge by reading great literature just one hour a day, 52 books in 52 weeks to give you the grit you need to succeed. Hey everybody, welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. I am Patty Stuckler, joined by my son Connor. So happy that you're joining me, Connor. <laughs> He's a, Somebody's got to get the ratings up. He's yeah, he's he's a good sport. <laughs> so uh, welcome to season four, which is the Lit Grit Challenge. So the challenge is to read one hour a day, just one hour a day. That's it. And believe me, I, I read somewhere recently a statistic that that the average person person spends one point six hours a day on social media. So and that's probably pretty conservative for yeah. For I, 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 under, I think your dad spends more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I mean, people, you got the, with the new iPhone update, you can see your screen time, and I mean, it's like... Ridiculous. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. So just one hour a day, 52 books in 52 weeks. That's the Lit Grit Challenge, but it's also not just reading one book a week on average, but it's about what books books are you reading. Now, I'm, I'm a huge fan of nonfiction books. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my dad bought me my first book that I can recall reading as an adult. I was 18. For my birthday, he got me a book by Robert Schuller. It's called The Be Happy Attitudes. Instead of, it's a twist on The Be Attitudes. So it's it's a kind of a very much of a positive thinking type book. And that kind of started me on my own personal journey of reading a lot of nonfiction books and, and a love for it. So what I've seen, and I'm sure you now, you've been in real estate for what, five years, I think, at this point? Yeah, coming up on six years. Yeah, and, and, and me almost 20 we get to see a lot of people and what challenges they have. I know you, you know, you would with your friends anyway and family members, but when you sell real estate and you deal with their financial situation as well as their emotional state and a lot of other challenges that they're going through, you really can see that, at least I can see, that some of the books that we're going to cover and we're going to talk about goals, which is our very first one. So excited to talk about this book. But, you know, the answers, the keys to happiness really are in a lot of these nonfiction books that are so fabulous. They're, these are great authors, time-tested. Most of them that we'll cover are bestsellers. Yeah. So these are not people we know personally, uh, but they're people we love that I personally love. Like Brian Tracy. Wow, he's a great author. Yeah, and one thing that's great about all the books that we're going to cover in the Liquid Challenges is they really do help with your personal development. I think sometimes people don't want to read, like, and I don't, I don't like calling them self-help books because I think it has maybe a little bit of a stigma to it. But I like to think of them as personal development books. They're going to help you um, with your goal setting. They're going to help you with you know, Power of Habits, which is the book we're doing next. is a, is a fantastic book. Uh, money management. Um, really just you know, mental fortitude. Some of those things that I think psychology. are really important. Psychology. Yep. So it's going to be a, it's, it's a great challenge, and I think we're, you know, you're going to get a lot out of it if you, if you partake in it. And um, the thing that's challenging and why it's called Lit Grit 2 is because 52 books in, in 52 weeks is, is a pretty daunting thing. But if you break it down and you read basically an hour every morning, which, which I read every morning um, for the last couple of months now, and uh, you, know, you really can knock them out. Uh, most of these books are between you know, probably about 250 pages or so, so you really can knock them out with just an hour a day. Yeah, and, and the grit part of it is about really strength. It's about you know, strength through reading, strength through literature. It really will give you the grit that you need in life. Life is tough It'll for give you the grit, but it also will require some grit oh, to get we, through I think we look at it slightly differently. <laughs> yeah, Connor sees it as grit is 
you, you know, you have to have the grit to to, to, to do read. it because it's a cha- well. That's why it's the lit grit challenge. Yeah, and I see it as grit as that's what you're. That's the reward. That's yeah. what you're gonna gain by learning new habits, setting new goals, figuring out what you want in life, touching on spirituality, touching definitely touching a lot on psychology and how the brain works, how society, uh, you know, yeah, all of that. So we'll touch on all of those uh, aspects and concepts, intellectual concepts, a lot of them, but but can be applied very practically to yeah, to absolutely, your life. and yeah. that's that's what goals comes in where where it fits in. I mean, it, it's. The, the practical application of it is, is I think, great. But, um, you know, it's it's just a great book. It gives you really a blueprint for, you know, co- first of all, coming up with your goals. I mean, I was, sh- you know, shocked how that's many people... That's the hardest people, part. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and, and that's one thing that's was what really stuck out. Stuck out One of the stories in the book was they did this study with, with Harvard graduate, MBA graduates. So, I mean, these are, you know, top of the class, Harvard students, you know, really, really smart people, really, really educated people. And it was shocking to me how few of them had had written down goals. Um, so they took this graduating class and they found that 84% of these MBA, Harvard MBA graduates didn't have any goals other than graduating and what they were going to do that summer. And that, that to me was, was shocking. Uh, made me feel a little better because I haven't always had goals. Uh, I've always had general goals, but when this book kind of teaches you is that to be happy and to be successful aren't really goals; they're, they're wishes. And you got to be specific, and you got to actually put some time into figuring out what your goals are. That way, you can kind of reverse engineer it and then actually achieve your goals. We so, have deadlines. So, what that with that MBA, the Harvard MBA um, study, was so interesting was that eighty four percent didn't have any written goals other than graduating and um, and what they were going to do that summer. For was it no? It was eleven percent. Let me double check. It was 13% had goals, specific goals, but they weren't written down. And only 3% of this, this graduating class at Harvard had, had written down goals. And what they found was 10 years later was that they went back and they looked at all those, those students and they found that the people, the 13% that had goals, specific goals that weren't written down, were twice as successful, had made twice the amount of money as the 84%. But what's really interesting to me and, and I think profound and really what what hopefully everybody's going to take away from reading this book is that the three percent that had written down specific goals were ten times as successful as that as the rest of that even 13 percent and then 84 percent so that three percent that had specific written down goals was ten times more successful than the rest than 97 percent of their their Harvard graduating class so to, so to really to just break it down really easily if you read this book and apply it you're going to be smarter than most Harvard graduates. That's right. That's right. right? That's right. And that's you you like the numbers, I can tell. You love the numbers. Well, I just thought it was a really interesting <laughs> and illuminating story because, you know, you think of Harvard people and then you think of, wow, they, they didn't even have written down goals and half the majority of them didn't even have any goals at all. I mean, it's just, like I said, it made me feel a little better because, yeah. um, like I said, for me, I, I never really necessarily had specific goals. I knew I wanted to graduate college. I knew I wanted to you know, make six figures. I knew I wanted to be happy and have a family, but I never had really taken the time to, to write out specific goals and to figure out exactly, and then prioritize them. I think that's another big piece of it too. Yeah. My dad always used to say, uh, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Now, yeah. he didn't come up with that quote, 
I don't know, it uh, might have even have yeah, been that's a famous, Napoleon that's a Hill. Quote. But he used to say that all the time when I was a kid, <coughs> and something I took to heart, that you really have to have a plan, and if you have that plan, chances are really high you're going you're gonna to be successful. And he really breaks it down uh, in this book about how to really examine your life and what you want. And to me, and I think this is true for most people, it's just really hard sometimes figuring out what you really want. Right. What do you actually want? If somebody forces you to to make very clear, specific, um, you know, desires or goals, you know, it's it's not that easy. Yeah, you're gonna have to do a little bit of soul searching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you force yourself to do it, and and really make a list and then break it down like you were talking about, short term goals, medium term goals, long term, like what's your five year plan? What's your ten year plan? What's your plan for next week? Yeah, yep. And that's <clears throat> one thing that's great about this book too is at the end of every chapter, there's he basically gives you like a little bit of homework. There's like there'll be like ten or you know seven to ten bullet points where it's like you know if it's each each chapter specific to each chapter of the book. And if, and if you do those steps, I mean that's that's one thing that I think is great about the Licorice Challenge just in general and is to take notes. Because while you're reading, you might have inspiration. Yeah, I've got. I'll show that in a second. But while you're reading, you you're gonna get a spark of information, uh, inspiration, and how it how you can apply it to your life, or you know, because it'll get you thinking in the right kind of modes. And um, so, I definitely encourage everybody to have a notebook and take notes while they're while they're reading each you know all these yeah. books. And I like for, to read right in the margins. Yeah, I don't I don't like to ruin <laughs> books, but uh, for me, I mean, when I was when I was reading this book, I literally. You know, I don't know how well you can see that, but I, I, every time I would be reading and then I'd think of a, a, a goal, I, I wrote it down. And so I came up with probably 30 different things. And then by the end of the book, I was able to kind of look at it and say, okay, we'll kind of prioritize these. And then that, that helped me figure out what I even wanted, wanted to do and what my goal should be. So You know, and Brian Tracy, the author, he actually was a high school dropout, was a dishwasher, yeah. his own backstory. Um, and then he got a job into sales and, you know, he was really struggling, not doing well. And then one day he decided, I'm going to make a thousand dollars in, in sales every month, you know, from now on. And this was years ago. He then eventually did make a thousand dollars a month and then went on to huge wild success in sales because Mm -hmm. he had very clear goals of what he wanted to do and what he wanted to accomplish. And then of course he became a best-selling author many times over. He's written many, many books. This is just one of many of Brian Tracy's books. But, um, you know, he also talks about visualization. Yep. And I know a lot of the Olympic athletes have done that over the years. I remember that, uh, was it Brian Boitano? I think in the 80s. Do you remember? You, oh, you, you wouldn't have been alive. born. <laughs> but he was uh, an Olympic athlete that uses used visualization, um, to, you know, to win the gold medal. And... Jim Carrey is is a is a story well, that Phelps I like. Michael to... Phelps too. When talking about the Olympics. Oh, he really? Would, did he? Would, yeah. Visualization. That's in. That's in one. That's a. I think it's in one of the books we're going to read later. I, I remember reading it before. It talks about he would visualize every every race. I mean, he would he would go go to you know basically put a mental image of of what the race was going to be like, and and then he would also even visualize potential problems. Like if his 
goggles got water in them which happened in one of the races right and so that way when it happened he was prepared for it he'd already been through this a million times in his mind so visualization visualization aspect of it i think is, is really important yeah and in fact takeaway. now that you brought that that story up it was in one of the books we read i don't remember now which one but but in was, that story it was charles Duhigg. i think it was i think so too it might have been in, in, in habits one. but no, he he talks about in that um the worst thing a swimmer could ever imagine is that you get water in your goggles and you can't see. You're you're swimming blind. Right. And so he had trained for that. So mm-hmm. then, of course, that worst case scenario happened in the Olympics. And he was in, I forget which, which of the races it was, but he literally had the strokes down so perfectly. And he just timed everything so well and pushed himself that last push. And he ended up setting a world record. Yeah. So he not only won the gold... It, it with the worst case scenario. So, yeah. isn't that fascinating? Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was a really good example of it. Really is, and, and and another uh, and how to overcome because you're always going to run into obstacles on your you know on the on the path to path to achieving your goals. So it's important, I think, to even visualize what obstacles you're going to run into, and then basically practice going over them. You know, overcoming those obstacles in your mind. So. Yeah, although for me personally, I don't tend to do that. I tend to only focus on what it is I want, and that's it. Yeah. I just And then when stuff happens, because like that, right. then it's like, then I go into solution mode, right. and then I just solve whatever, I mean, sure. 95% of the time, I would say. I mean, really, really high odds, I can solve whatever the whatever creeps up, because I always say, I don't, I don't deal with what ifs, I deal with what is. I say that all the time because... Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've stolen that. I've stolen that <laughs> in, in real estate. Uh, uh, you know, I don't want to clog up my brain using energy or brain power on what ifs right. and, and, and that kind of thing. But I understand what, what, you know, what he's saying, especially when you're talking about the yeah. Olympics or something like that. But um, another really great story on vis- visualization is, um, you know, the actor Jim Carrey. And this is a pretty famous, a lot of people may have heard yeah. this, but... You know, he always wanted to be an actor, and when he was a kid, his family, you know, had a lot of money problems. His dad lost his job, and I think he was in high school. So the family ended up living in a camper on some relative's lawn Mm -hmm. uh, for quite a long time and just took whatever jobs they could get. And then he decided to try stand-up comedy, bombed at it, blah, 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 but kept at it, ended up going to Hollywood, would drive up to the Hollywood Hills in his, you know, jalopy and... You know, just visualize what life was like when all these directors and producers wanted him as the star in some some uh, movie. <laughs> and so what he did was, excuse me, he eventually would, he wrote out a check. He would do that so often, and he'd say, he'd be driving down, mm-hmm. you know, um, what's that, Pacific Coast, and be visualizing as he was driving and, and saying affirmations about, you know, yeah. hey, everybody wants me, this producer, that producer wants me in the next film, blah, blah, blah. And then he wrote out a check for $10 million, written out to himself in the memo line he wrote, for acting services rendered. And sure enough, and he set a deadline of three years, I believe it was, if I remember correctly. And then literally right before that three-year timeline, it was like Thanksgiving of 1995, I believe, he got offered the role, I think it was for Dumb and Dumber. And I know he was in Ace Ventura and Liar Liar and The Mask and a lot of other films, but I think it was Dumb and Dumber. He got paid... $10 $10 million. So, and I, I mean, that's just not an unusual story in the sense that if you go through all yeah. these books, you'll see story well, after what's, story what, like and, that. And I think that's a great story because it's 
to me in the past, before I've read some of these books, I would have been like kind of, you know, brushed that aside, poo-pooed it, whatever. <laughs> and um, because I, to me, it sounds kind of like BS. But what's what I've learned in, in reading some of these books, and, and you know, I'm sure I'll learn from continuing to read the rest of these books that we've got on tap, is that you'll see the same themes over and over. And it's like all these examples of people who have done it and done, you know, and and had it succeed for them. But then this also, a lot of these books will break it down. Okay, because I'm the type of person where I want to know why, you know, because that if you just told me, oh, he wrote a check to himself for three, you know, three years later, and it was for $10 million. And I'd have been like, yeah, okay, yeah, right. I mean, he got lucky and did whatever. But you see in these books, and it explains that there's a method to that madness. And it actually is a critical element of, of setting and then achieving your goals. And um, I just thought that was really interesting. And um, but one thing I want to talk about too is is why people don't set goals. So we've talked about the Harvard hmm. kids. Why why okay. don't why didn't eighty four percent why don't they why didn't eighty four percent of these Harvard graduates have goals and they that, didn't have me for their mom right right yeah <laughs> um, but and and for me too I mean it's why why didn't I necessarily have written down goals other than graduating college and being happy and successful I mean those aren't goals those are wishes as he calls them. But um, so I think it's kind of interesting to um, to get into that. And he has he gives four major reasons why people don't set goals, and it's they, they think they're not important. Um, they don't know how to, and that's what's great about this book. It gives you step by step instructions and a blueprint on how to set your goals, and then prioritize your goals, and then reverse engineer your goals, and so you can actually achieve them. Um, they have a fail of failure, or they have a fear of rejection. Um, so thought those were all pretty interesting, and I think it's all really true. But what what the book basically teaches you is that, you know, first of all, you can't worry about um, rejection or failure. You know, those, those are other people's basically societal pressures put on you. You got, you got to be able to put your blinders on and, and run your race. Um, and then it gives you, like I said, kind of a blueprint and an outline on how to, on how to set their goals, why they're important, and, um, you know, how, how you're going to then ultimately achieve those goals. Well, it reminds me of that uh, crab crab pot um yeah 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 so that's story yeah and it's 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 a really good analogy and um i don't i don't i mean they're not we're from maryland so it's they're not maryland blue crabs i think they're like in asia but they have these crab pots and they're the crabs could easily escape from them but what they've what they found is that these crabs as soon as one crab starts to climb up the wall and tries to to reach their goals and get to freedom whatever um, that other crabs will literally grab that crab and, and, and tear it down and rip its limbs off and, and make sure. So they all keep really? each other down. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really kind of an illuminating uh, analogy and, and for why, you know, because people will try and tear you down when, when you're trying to get out of their comfort zone because because what it does is it illuminates the fact that they're not trying to, to achieve more. Well, and they also, it's, I think it's more a contrast thing that, if you do really well, well, then your peers, your buddies that you've been friends with forever, then all of a sudden they feel like they look not as good. Right. They look bad right. in comparison right. to you. And so it's like, hey, buddy, well, who do you think you are? Let right. me pull you back down right. into this pot with no, me. It's, and, a, it's you know. a great analogy, and, and I think it's um, something that a lot of people deal with is, is that is that fear of rejection or feel of ridic- fear of ridicule or failure. So, you know, the book does a great job addressing that. Yeah, for me, I I think turning fifty was like a huge um, fear reducer because even though no one wants to turn fifty, and well, maybe unless you're sixty, <laughs> then you don't mind turning fifty. But 
you, you know, the getting older, you, I do think that you get this weird, at least for me, you get this weird sense of you don't have forever. And you're really uh, aware of you got one shot. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I had a sister pass away a, a few months ago. And that's just another reminder that it's like, wow, you know, you don't get forever. And even though you're a millennial and you're in your 20s still, you you don't have forever either. You're going to blink right. and you're going to be my age. And you're going to be, you know, I know. Seriously. And then you're it goes so fast. And so it's like, you better get to getting whatever it is right. you want to do. Figure it out. Stop. And I think on that list of when you were talking about the four things, why people don't set goals, I think part of the reason people don't set goals is, isn't is even so much fear. It's more they just let uh, life kind of uh, a leaf in the wind mm -hmm. carry them like that. And then wherever they land and then they get stuck in a job or in a, a career or sometimes even in a relationship, whatever it may be. And then they just think, well, you know, it's too hard to to they don't, they, to change direction right. at they some point. They have inertia, point. and they just go with the direction they're going. Yeah, in. it's it gets harder and harder right. to to change course and to do something else. And like you said, then sometimes if you do change course, then people are looking at you like, well, why are you doing oh, that? Or what do you, what do you do? think you're better than us? You or? know, yeah, or just uh, disapproving of whatever it is you're doing. So you just have to just you know throw caution to the wind to to a large degree. Yeah. And not be afraid to push yourself. Right. Right. But it does start with a plan. And that's what's so great about this, this yeah. book, Goals. Yeah. And that's so one of these other books that, that, and some of these, I'm sure people have read some of these other books. And one of the things they talk about is SMART goals. And it's an acronym. And it's specific, measurable, achievable, um, result-oriented, and time-bound. Um, now, Brian Tracy doesn't talk about, doesn't use that acronym. He may in some other books. I think I think he does. But... When he gives you kind of the outline and teaches you how to set your goals and how to set good goals, and one of the things he talks about, he has seven keys to goals, is it's clear, specific, detailed, and written down. And I think written down is really important. Mm -hmm. I think specific is really important. That's why there's some there's a lot of overlap with that SMART goal acronym. Um, it's measurable and objective, measurable. Uh, it's time bound. So again, so it's I mean it's a lot of overlap between those SMART goals, um, that acronym. It's challenging. It's congruent with your values, and it's uh, it's in in line with your major definite purpose for your life. Um, so, and that's another thing he talks about is in kind of helping you once you've come up with. He tells you basically to write down all your goals and then to kind of go through and prioritize. And then your the most important goal is kind of your major definite purpose. And then on a, on the course of achieving that, you'll probably achieve a lot of those other goals. Um, so I thought that was really interesting, and again, it's just kind of helping you figure out what your goals are and, and then come up with goals and then prioritize them. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But the other thing, too, that, that is interesting with respect to, um, you know, it's being measurable and objective is that um, he does say when you first start in your goal setting, you want it to be achievable to so see so you can kind of get the principles in, in action. And, um, but what he says is once you get kind of going, that your goal should really only have like a 50%, um, chance of, of being achieved, which I thought was really interesting because it's like, nobody wants to set goals that they're not going to achieve, but that's the way you kind of, once you get these principles and they kind of become a habit, that's the way you really stretch yourself and then achieve extraordinary Well, results. he talks about also having a big, hairy, audacious goal. Right, yeah. That it should be something... Uh, so big that you're like, wow, if I achieve it, then 
you know, and that, and that's what I, I've done in the last few years. I've, I've set certain uh, benchmarks for myself, you know, when it came to, to business. And then, wow, like, it's just like, you know, the universe just really does help you, your brain, your subconscious mind. And we'll get yeah. into a lot of that in other yeah. episodes. We won't get into that here. But but he does just, touch on it. He does touch on that. in your subconscious mind. And yeah, and it really, it's amazing how the universe and your brain will just keep, it'll take something way out here, this big goal, and then just over time, it starts going narrower and narrower to where it starts to come into fruition. Right. I mean, that's just visually yeah. in, in my mind how I see it. So, I mean, I just think it's really, really important. And I think for somebody in their 20s like you, the millennials, that do seem to have more anxiety than, say, even my generation, uh, older generations that maybe didn't grow up with so much of the social media and maybe some of the pressures that, that, you know, mm -hmm. that we did, I think, I think having a plan is really super important because not only will it, it, it um, give you, you know, great odds for success, but it'll also give you a certain amount of peace and happiness. Right. I, I truly believe that. Because yeah. if you know where you're going, then, you know, you, you have a plan. It, it really can guide you. And it may you. change, too. And I think that's, for me, like when, when I was in college, I just felt like, man, I could go in any direction. There's so many, so many possibilities. Like, how do I know which one, like, am I picking... And, and, not to get into this, but you know, I think the I think some of the worst advice is follow your passion because, like, for me, what was my I mean, I liked playing video games and, and <laughs> quite quite frankly, I liked smoking weed. So I mean, it's like, <laughs> what am I gonna do with that? I mean, yeah, no. I mean, thankfully, I don't you know sm smoke anymore. But um, I mean, that's so it's like I think you I think you gotta I think you kind of gotta pick a direction and go in it, and then and then worst case scenario, you'll decide that that's not the direction you want to go in. Well, now you can cross it off your list, and that's one less direction. And now you can, I just think the first thing is starting with action. Yeah. And even if it's like, take a step in, one, in any direction, even if it's the wrong, you know, do something even if it's wrong, because eventually it'll help you, you know, find find the correct path and the, the path you're supposed to be on. So. Yeah. Well, I think that really sums, sums it up. There's great. one other thing I want to talk about too, though, okay. is the biggest takeaway I got from this book um, was he taught, and it's, it's actually early on in the book, and it's not necessarily, um, you know, about achieving your goals, but... It, it talks about um, your worst enemy is oftentimes yourself. And it, it talks about, um, you know, the greatest enemy of success and happiness are negative emotions. And that's something for me that, that really stood out to me and has, has helped me a lot, especially in real estate. I mean, it's such an emotional roller coaster. I mean, one minute you got a deal and then the next minute their financing falls through and it's, you're just, there's peaks and valleys just constantly. And so I was always on that emotional, you know this, especially you know, the first couple of years, I w I'd be so up and down depending on how my deals were going. And usually down. <laughs> well, I, and then I'd be there. super up and then I'd be super <laughs> down now. when it fell through because of the inspections or whatever. And, you know, it's, but when I read that and it, it talked, you know, the greatest enemy of success and happiness are negative emotions. So I just said, okay, well, I'm going to stop. And it's not, you know, you're never going to be able to totally shut out negative emotions. But if you make a conscious effort to say, look, there's nothing productive that comes from worrying and there's nothing that, you know, there's, there's literally nothing there's, you can write down, try to make a list of anything productive that worrying does. And there's, there's literally not one thing. It's just, you spend all this time and emotional energy worrying. And then sometimes it doesn't even happen, but then when it does, well then now it's real. It's just wait, you know, don't waste your time worrying. If it happens, then deal with it. So, but he talks about stop justifying. He says, Refuse to rationalize or make excuses. Take ownership. And I think that's something that's really big. A lot of times when, you know, if a deal would fall through because of inspections, I'd be like, you know, I'd 
make excuses. Whereas now I'm like, you know what, what, what could I have done better? How, how could I have prepared my client better and prepared her for the, you know, set the expectation that, hey, X, Y, or Z could happen. That way when it does happen, if it does happen, you know, they're not totally blindsided and, and want to back out of the deal. But mm-hmm. so instead of, you know, justifying or making excuses, I said, you know, when something like that does happen, I said, okay, well, what could I have done better? And so taking ownership taking of Taking responsibility. And, and, and is, I would is, say is that a, was, It was a game changer for me. And it yeah. sounds like common sense, but when you see some of these things, and a lot of this stuff is common sense, like setting goals, I mean, duh. But, but you, you'd be surprised how many people don't do it or don't set specific goals. Uh, but he just, just real quick, though, he talks about four things. He says, stop justifying, refuse to rationalize or make excuses, um, stop blaming. No one else is responsible. Take ownership. Take responsibility and ownership. And it doesn't exactly say it like this, but I say F other people's opinions. <laughs> Fork other people's. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so those were some of the big takeaways I got from the book. Um, and I think it's a great book. It's yeah. it's not the most uh, exciting book, I, I think, because, I mean, it is a little redundant, but I think it's important to read it all the way through because those ideas will kind of reinforce each other and stack on each other, and it'll really kind of sink in the importance of, of some of this stuff that well, you might I, brush off as just common sense, but yeah. it's not common sense if you don't apply it. Yeah, I, I think the, you know, it really should, it's one of those books that it really should get your mind going and force you to, you know, turn off the TV, turn off the radio, turn off everything, you know, get rid of your cell phone for a little while, you know, go out in the woods somewhere and really reflect on yourself and your life and, and it'll help you go through, ask you the questions yeah. that you really need to ask yourself. Absolutely. And just kind of in, in wrapping it up, I've, I feel like for me too, I agree with you, response, taking responsibility was probably the number one thing that I, besides breaking down goals. I like take ownership. I don't know why that resonates. Uh, well, for me, me, responsibility was the key word. And it's interesting because when you read a book, the same book that I'll read, it's interesting that your brain goes in a different direction than mine. And so then when we talk about it, it's, it's interesting to see how... Things you pick up on that are a little well, bit different. Well, I'm a little more. I think a big. I think part of it is I'm a little more cynical and uh, skeptical, rather. So I like to know. I don't. You know, I could read something instead of taking it at face value. I want to know. Well, why? Why? Why yeah. is this going to work? Yeah, you drive me crazy. Show- <laughs> Back to, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> with your why. Oh my God. Yeah. Like just sometimes you just gotta <laughs> accept. Right. Well. <laughs> I think if you're like me, you're going to get a lot out of a lot of these books, yeah. especially the next one we're going to read, The Power yeah. of Habit. I think it's a phenomenal book. It's one of my favorite books. I wanted to start with that one. But. Well, okay. Well, we're going to get to that next week. We want people to read goals. Let us know your thoughts and, and wrap and this take, up. And take notes and write your goals while you do. I mean, it'll really make a, you'll get that much more out of it. There's, there's no point in reading some of these books without being able to apply it to, to your life. Yeah, absolutely. There's no point. Don't, don't read it if you're not going to then make it. You know, Still read it, but you, well, take notes. I'm saying there's no no point unless you're going to apply it to your life. You're not going to have any right. benefit. Right. So you might as well read you know a romance novel or something. I guess. Right? Yeah. So so uh, just to wrap it up, you know, I really want to thank you, Connor, for for joining me with this Lit Grit Challenge. Yeah. And so you're going to be, you know, every every week we're going to be discussing books, but we definitely want your feedback. And yeah. I definitely think it it helps to give get your input as well as you know, somebody like mine and then see what others think of these books and the topics and hopefully maybe something they applied and, and how it benefited them. Or what and, they got out of it or yeah. what, their, what their goals are. Or... And really this, uh, just to wrap up this episode, I really feel like doing this season four because I did have a hiatus from my past three seasons. Uh, I took about 10 months off and really wanted to 
kind of regroup and really it this fulfills one of my goals which is I really want to give back um, I don't make money off of this podcast. I'm not getting paid to promote Brian Tracy or yes. any other We're not making author. money off it yet. That's right. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm being totally serious that this is really something that I want to, I think it, I feel so passionate about sharing this information that it's helped me yep. so much in the last two or three decades of my life that, um, you know, I really want other people to be really happy and successful in their lives and in their relationships so, hey, the information's out there, so I'm, I'm really excited about it. And so I hope you will take the Lit Grit Challenge. If you've lasted this long in this episode, then... It's I, just an hour a day. I you mean, know, you can set I aside an hour a day. I usually read from 8 to 9. I've got a little more flexible schedule. But that way I'm still responding to emails by 9.05. Or even know. if you do half an hour in the morning, half an hour right before bed. Yeah. Or, or however you do it. Make a plan. One hour a day. Time 52 blockage. books in 52 weeks. So for all of 2020, you should you should end this year having read 52 of the best books out there for self-development, self-awareness, money management. We'll get into a lot of really interesting topics. So hope you hopefully you get on the challenge and join us next week. We'll see you next time.